Welcome to Telford Elim Sunday Podcast. We are so glad you could join us. To keep up to date with all that's going on, please go to telfordelim.com. I do hope you enjoy today's talk. Good morning, church. I thought I'd come down here. It feels a bit nicer today, a bit more intimate. So uh, I can see your eyes a little bit better from the notes on stage. Um, for those who don't know me, my name is Ben. Uh, I'm married to Laura. I have two girls, Arabella and Ebony, who are aged nearly three. Arabella is three in a couple of days. Uh, and Ebony is two months old. So that's why I look so sleep deprived. I apologize. It's, uh, Christmas is never the same with a really young baby. I can tell you that. He's just up anyway. So, um, But it's been great. Uh, it's that weird time, isn't it? Between Christmas and New Year. Where we're not quite sure what day it is. I guarantee you there'll be some people missing this morning because they think it's Saturday, uh, or they just didn't realize it was Sunday. Uh, that would be me, usually in the past. Um, but nobody's quite sure what day it is, and uh, we've all eaten far too many good things. Is that right? Has anyone been like really restrained, or has everyone just let themselves go this Christmas? How are you, Jenny? I believe you, not at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, we eat far too many good things, whether that be turkey, maybe our own weight in chocolate, or sweets. Uh, it's just it, Christmas time. Just everything is is on hand, isn't it? Um, I got a, a picture sent to me by my mother-in-law of a pile of After Eight wrappers, asking who the culprit was. Uh, that's never a good thing when you're the culprit. Um, and so I'd, I'd eaten some late night After Eights. Uh, and so, yes, my mother-in-law was telling me off already for not tidying up after myself. But it was great. Um, this morning, as I said, I want to talk to us very shortly about courage. Is that okay? Specifically this. How can we be a people who have the courage to settle for nothing less than all God has for us? It's a mouthful. How can we be the people who have the courage to settle for nothing less than all God has for us? It's a good question, isn't it? As always, when we are approaching a new year, we often spend some time reflecting upon the year that's gone by, upon 2019 in this case. And often we hear people just making some New Year's resolutions. So we hear things like this, I'm going to exercise more. <laughs> I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to get organized. I'm going to learn a new skill or a hobby going to take up something new I'm going to save more money <laughs> lots of smiles for that one I'm going to spend less we say these things to ourselves as we approach a new year don't we we say things like this is going to be my year you read it all over Facebook and Twitter and Instagram this is going to be my year you know the gyms are full anyone who is a membership of a gym knows that in January you do not go to gym because they are full of everybody who's only going to last a month in the gym um, so they'll be paying a lot of money for the rest of the year but we say things like this we're like 2020 we're coming at you it feels a bit like we always feel a little bit like Rocky when we're going into a new year we're climbing those steps if anyone's seen the Rocky film and there are others who are just glad to see the back of the previous year and let's be honest with one another there's nothing wrong with a new year's resolution is there 
There's nothing wrong with them on the, on the face of it, but very often we get to February and those resolutions are long forgotten and things feel pretty much like they did the year before. Quite often, things can feel pretty much like they did the year before. And my question is, how do we make 2020 any different to every other year? For some of us, we might have had some big changes in 2019. For others, not so many. But Leslie said this on Christmas Day. What one small or big change are you going to make to make this next year different? And that stuck with me for some reason, and I kind of wanted to go with that this morning, if that's okay. So if you've got your Bibles or your tablets or whatever you've got, your devices, please turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Some of you may have recognized that passage that I was reading out a little bit earlier on, which was from earlier on in Timothy, from chapter 1. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1 earlier, but this is 2 Timothy chapter 4 we're going to read from now. We're going to start from verse 1. Now, your translation might be a little bit different to mine, but that's okay. We'll be reading from the Passion Translation, which I'll explain why shortly. We'll start here. Timothy... In the presence of our great God and our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge both the living and the dead, by the revelation of his kingdom, I solemnly instruct you uh, to proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. Rise to the occasion and preach when it is convenient and when it is not. Preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth, because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers with soothing words that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. Verse 4. They will close their ears to the truth and believe nothing but fables and myths. So be alert to all these things and overcome every form of evil. Carry in your heart the passion of your calling as a church planter and evangelist and fulfill your ministry calling. And now the time is fast approaching for my release from this life and I am ready to be offered as a sacrifice. I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished my full course and I've kept my heart full of faith. There is a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me and I know that my Lord will reward me on this day of righteous judgment. And this crown is not only waiting for me, but for all who love and long for his unveiling. So here we have 2 Timothy. What's going on here? Here we have uh, Paul who is in prison. And at some, at some point while Paul was in prison, he has come to the realization at this time he's not getting out. This time is going to be his last time. This is where he's going to die. And so he writes this letter. Remember when letters were a thing? Some of you, yes. Some of you wrote a lot of letters in the past. I've never ever been of a generation, really, other than when I was in school where I ever wrote a letter. But I remember that English lesson very well. But here we have letters, and it's important to remember that's the, the form of communication they had then. Letters. So here we have this letters, and I think it is quite an important and special moment, this. Because it's important to remember this. 
that Paul is not writing to any kind of random guy. He's writing to a friend. He's writing to Timothy. And it's important because the way that we write to friends is very different to the way that we write to people that we do not know. Isn't that right? If you're sending a text message to somebody you don't know, it reads very differently to a text message you would send to a friend. And so this whole passage, we've got to remember, is Paul writing to Timothy, his friend. And so what exactly does Paul say to Timothy? He reminds Timothy of how uh, earlier on how his family had brought him up in the faith and then how Timothy served faithfully with Paul in the past um, and after some initial warnings about those who will turn from the faith and follow only what they want to hear Paul gives Timothy four positive commands and it's these four positive commands that I really want to look at this morning is that okay church? still with me? good good he says this, as for you, I'm going to read this from the English Standard Version, a slightly different translation from the, the translation I read before, uh, but you'll understand why shortly. It says this, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist slash church planter, fulfill your ministry. It's verse 5. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist slash church planter, fulfill your ministry. This is what Paul says to Timothy first. He says this, be focused and alert. Be focused and alert. Take seriously. Take your role seriously. You see, the concept of living a sober life, uh, you might be thinking that sounds like something to do with alcohol. It's got nothing to do with alcohol in this moment. Actually, uh, this is a reference uh, completely away from that, and it comes from the Greek word nephi. I never know if I say Greek words, right? So you're all with me. If I'm wrong, then if you've got any Greek scholars, you might be able to correct me later. Um, but this word actually means to keep calm, focused, and controlled. So he's saying to Timothy, keep calm, keep focused, keep control. Right from the start. Paul is literally saying to Timothy, if you want to live your best life, if you want to live in the more, keep a clear mind in every situation. If you want to live in the more, keep a clear mind in every situation. How do we keep a clear mind in every situation? That's the question I have. How do we actually do that? How do we keep a clear mind in every situation? Well, we listen to God always, which might seem like a given, but actually it's not always the case. But we listen to God always, we seek wisdom and patience. We listen to God always. We seek wisdom and patience. So how do we keep a clear mind? It's my personal opinion and experience that in our busy modern world, there are two big things that often cause us to make unwise decisions. Now, these might not be for everybody, but for many, many people, I've experienced this. And there's many, many more. 
But I wanted to focus on just two in this moment. The first one is this, selfishness. Selfishness keeps us away from having a clear mind. And the way it does that is because we become the center of our universe. It's me, myself, and I. It's the opposite of what God wanted for his people. Selfishness is all about you, but God is all about community. Very quiet this morning, church. So I'm hoping you're going with me. You see, we make us the center of our universe very easily. It's very easy to get wrapped up in ourselves, isn't it, church? It's very easy to get wrapped up in our thoughts, in our actions, in what we've done. It's very easy to get wrapped up in all of that. And I think that stops us from having a clear mind. Because actually, we have a clearer mind when we're in community. And what do I mean by that? It means when we're pursuing God together. It means when we're leaning upon one another. It means when we're taking steps in life and asking each other's wisdom. Because if you look around you in this room, just take a second to look around you. There's a lot of wisdom in this room. How do I know that? Because the Bible tells me. You're wise just following Jesus. The second is this, and some of you might agree with me on this one, some of you might not. But it's my experience that we often lose clarity, we often lose the, uh, the, the ability to have a clear mind when we are tired. Tiredness. In our modern world, it's a strange one. But our modern world is full of so many things, so many things trying to get our attention that often we are tired. There's never enough hours in the day. That's a saying that I think I've heard every single person say at some point in our lives. There's never enough hours in the day. And yet tiredness is this strange one because actually it's true. We all know that when we have been tired in life, we have made some silly decisions, whether that may be starting arguments, maybe that may be just not letting things go in that moment, whether that be just literally making a really silly decision that's going to have a knock-on effect later on. It's, it's why... Scripture speaks about weariness. Being weary. I know this. As a dad to young girls, that tiredness can get me. For those of you who've had kids young or just those of you who've ever occurred after anybody, it doesn't have to be young or old, tiredness very quickly comes upon us. And tiredness be honest, sometimes I make bad decisions when I'm tired. Am I okay to be honest? I'm working on that. I'm working on what it means to be a person who rests in Jesus. A person who actually looks after myself sometimes and takes some time out away from the busyness and actually just some, spend some time in his presence, spend some time resting, spend some time away from everything. Spend some time away from my phone, young people. 
and old people or older people should I say instead of offending if you want to know why you're tired it's like a tiring device you see we cannot be afford to be a people who are just constantly tired and making bad decisions we need to learn to get into a different rhythm in life I don't think Jesus ever intended us for us to live our lives just tired and weary but actually he intended us to live in a rhythm where we rest together we rest alone we find time where we can just carve out some space for ourselves we discover more about ourselves when we seek him Jesus and when you seek Jesus you discover that Jesus took time out for himself we often read the big stories of where he's with the crowds but actually just after that he'll always go and take some time out for himself to spend some time with his father to rest to sleep so that's two, just two things that I think can sometimes get in the way of us having a clear mind which is what Paul is calling Timothy to have a clear mind a focused mind a controlled mind Secondly, he says this, Timothy, endure suffering. Yippee! That's what we all want to hear, isn't it? Endure suffering. And endurance is a major theme in this letter. In fact, endurance is a major theme throughout Scripture. Run the race. But we are not called to survive through life. But we are actually called to thrive in a kingdom mindset and perspective no matter what the circumstances that surround us we are called to thrive in a kingdom minded perspective no matter what the circumstances are around us that is challenging to me I hope that's challenging to you I, I quoted a little while back and somebody reminded me of this quote that our hopelessness is about a situation is a bigger problem than the situation itself our hopelessness about a situation is a bigger problem than the situation itself and actually someone reminded me of that and I had to take a second sometimes you say stuff here and then you have to actually take a second to remember and then you take a kind of second to think actually do I believe that myself and then as he said that I was like actually yeah that is so true and then I remember some situations in my own life where I was feeling a bit hopeless and suddenly remembered that I needed to get God's mindset about that situation in those situations you see we, we might say to this we might say to Timothy this run the race keep going Timothy keep going keep running you got this you got this Timothy come on you've come so far we've been journeying together for so long do not get dismayed by the fact that I'm about to die That's what he's saying to his friend. Don't be worried about me, Timothy. Keep focused. Keep controlled. Keep running. Keep endurance. Endure suffering. It's going to be a time of suffering. In every one of our lives, we know suffering, right? There is always times in our lives where we have to endure suffering. But it's how we endure that suffering that is important. I think it's important that we keep a clear mind we keep things in perspective 
we keep focused we keep controlled thirdly this is what Paul is saying to Timothy do the work of an evangelist the passion translation which I read earlier said this carry in your heart the passion of your calling as a church planter and evangelist why does it use that term church planter is actually because Paul to Timothy um, Paul's idea of an evangelist was somebody who went and planted churches it was never just about evangelizing it was always about somebody going to preach to a people to see people saved and plant a church out of that that's how the, the, that's how the Bible spread that's how the message spread and so in Paul's mindset he's saying carry in your heart the passion of your calling just think about that a second carry in your heart the passion of your calling church do you carry in your heart the passion of your calling as Jesus followers you see an evangelist is literally a person who presents the good news of Christ whether it is your spiritual gift or not that is what you are called to do Timothy is being commanded to communicate the gospel as part of his ministry as a church leader as part of his ministry as a Christian the truth is though that for some reason in 21st century Christianity we have made an evangelist a person so when we think of an evangelist we often think of somebody rather than ourselves and I'm glad that in our church world this is changing because an evangelist was never ever meant to be just one person who comes to a church and evangelizes it's meant to be all of us equipped to evangelize every day in our workplaces in our homes in our families wherever we are on the streets that we are all called to be evangelists we are all called to share the gospel isn't that right the truth is that in fact in, in the fivefold ministry in Ephesians 4 the gift of evangelist the gift of an evangelist is actually given to them so that they can equip everybody else in the church to become evangelists so the gift of an evangelist is actually to equip us all to be evangelists to equip us all to be able to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and I just wonder and this might challenge some of you and it challenges, that's okay but I just wonder if we have forgotten sometimes what it was like before we knew him if sometimes we just forget what it was like before we knew Jesus because I'm telling you church, sometimes I forget what a fool I was before I knew Jesus and I could use many many other words for how I was before I knew Jesus sometimes I forget how ashamed I was sometimes I forget how self aware I was sometimes I forget how selfish I was sometimes I forget just how much Jesus has done in my life I don't do that on purpose I'm just being honest with you thankfully now when I 
realize that I've forgotten, I go back and try and recall as many things as I've seen Jesus do in my life as I can and all of those areas that I feel like he has fixed and is continuing to fix in my life and, and working through me and in me. You see, sometimes we have forgotten the hopelessness that we felt before we knew Jesus. We've forgotten that we are called to tell others about the hope that we have found in him. Have we forgotten that? I don't know. I think sometimes we have. You see, we are called to be courageous. We are called to be a people of courage. We hear Paul say to Timothy, endure suffering. You know, sharing the gospel in our world, I will guarantee you, you will endure suffering. If you don't believe me, just put the gospel out there on Facebook or something and see how quickly somebody comes back who doesn't believe what you believe. Put it on a forum somewhere on the internet. You will endure suffering for your beliefs in this modern day. You will endure suffering for Christ. But we are called to be courageous. We are called to have courage. You see, you were never meant to keep it to yourself. This isn't your secret. This is Jesus, the hope of the world. This is Jesus, the hope of Telford. Jesus, the hope of our country. Jesus, the hope of our lives. Jesus, the hope of my street. Every single follower of Jesus is called to be a person who shares the gospel. I'm going to say something very clear. It does not matter what personality type you are. Some of you are thinking, I'm an introvert, so I'm getting away with this one. I'm just quiet and do my own thing, so I'll get away with this. I'll leave that one to the extroverts who can just go out and just speak to somebody and just not care in the world. Like they, don't, they, they, they can do that job. It does not matter what personality type you are. We need every single personality type sharing the gospel. There are people that you guys can reach that I will never reach or even understand fully. Let's be honest with one another. There are equally people that I will reach that you will never fully understand. Me and Laura often have this kind of funny thing where about our callings because Laura is... Uh, grew up kind of clubbing and doing all of that kind of culture and I grew up in rock clubs and all that kind of culture and we often talk to one another because actually whenever we first started dating she took me uh, to sit to meet her friends and and I went into the environment where with her and her friends and I just couldn't cope I couldn't cope in that environment I was I was like this is just like I don't feel like I'm me I don't feel like spiritually I'm right and then I take her into the environment of a rock crowd and she goes how do you survive as a Christian in this crowd when everybody's so crazy and so out there and we often talk about this how actually we feel so cold into the places where we grew up we're very different people in that sense that actually God has placed us exactly in the places that he needed us to be we don't have to be the same 
we have different personalities and actually that benefits the areas that we're in you see I was called to be in a band for a long time and reach out into the darkness reach out into people who were in the rock scene reach out to the people who were up 1, 2 o'clock in the morning 3 o'clock in the morning playing heavy music because I knew that I could reach that because that's actually where my heart was that's what God had put on my heart to go to places that, to the people that would never step foot in church that's why I did that that's why a group of us believed that we could take the kingdom into the rock world and we did many of you will never ever hear the stories many of us will never hear the stories of until we get to heaven and realize what impact we had there but I can tell you we used to pray for people at 2-3 o'clock in the morning to know Jesus for goths, for punks, for whoever they were for people you would never expect to see in church, for people who feel like church wasn't for them we used to see them start their journey in faith I'm just talking about me personally because that's my experience but actually you all have your place you don't have to join a rock band to see people saved you can do that in your workplace I know some of you pray for your workplaces praying is great praying is amazing praying changes atmospheres but prayer without action sometimes we've got to pray but act upon our prayers and that means when we pray God please opportunity to speak to one of my work colleagues about you and when that opportunity arises we have to say okay God I'm going to embrace this opportunity now and if we've dodged one we pray again and we go again and we say God please give me an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody in my life and then we act upon that Why am I speaking about all this? Is anyone challenged this morning? Very quiet. I don't know. Quiet means yes. That's what me and Leslie always say. You see, I'm, I, I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that Jesus is the greatest hope for humanity that he is the greatest hope for creating a new world where everyone is valued, embraced, regardless of differences. This is a quote by a guy called Owen McManus. You see, I'm convinced that the church is the greatest hope for humanity. For creating a new world where everyone is valued and embraced regardless of differences. I'm convinced of it. I've been in Telford now nearly a year and I think I'm more convinced of it than ever. I'm more convinced than ever that God is up to something in this church, meeting with other leaders of other churches and convinced he's up to something in this town. I know it's going to be a lot of hard work. I know we've got to keep perspective. I know we've got to be of a sound mind, sober-minded as Paul would put it to Timothy. But I know that God is up to something in this town. I know that God is up to something in this country and in this world. It's important to remember to keep a big perspective sometimes.
helps us stop looking at ourselves all the time. This is what the fourth thing that Paul says to Timothy. He says, Timothy is to more than endure. He is to accomplish the purposes of his ministry calling. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist slash church planter. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. Christian life is often hard work. Sandra, I don't know where you are right now. You're there. Sandra said to me before, who said that we rest on Sundays? <laughs> this is before church. <laughs> Some of you may be feeling that this morning. What happened to Sunday being a day of rest? And I jokingly said to Sandra, the minute I gave, became a Christian, Sundays would never be in a day of rest since. <laughs> to find the rest other times. <laughs> But actually, Christian life is hard work sometimes. It's okay to admit that. Sometimes you just want to give up and rest. And yeah, we do need to rest. But actually, we are called to endure. And I was reminded as I was reflecting, this year, you know, as a, let's be honest with one another, this year as a church has been a tough year at times. Some of you are new here, may have come in fresh and not really have experienced what we've been going through as a church but I think it's, it's fair to say that we've had a bit of a tough year we've lost some really loved people as a church I love uh, Rachel, I'm going to mention you in this, sorry but as uh, Linda you'll, you'll love this story um, Rach how do I explain Rach? <laughs> I would explain Rach as I love being around Rach because she's brutally honest, I'll say. Is that, okay? Is that a fair enough to say, Rach? It's not a character assassination. She's honest, brutally sometimes. Um, and I... As um, I went to the hospital the day you were diagnosed, Linda, and I'll remember this for the rest of my life, actually. It was a... Um, we were at the bedside with you, and you just told us the news and we're talking to you and then Rach said something to me and you might remember this Rach she said you chose the wrong year to come then <laughs> do you remember that Rach? you don't remember that <laughs> but she said to me very clearly and I remember it she said you chose the wrong year to come then and I remember thinking to myself boy did I choose the wrong year no no I didn't <laughs> but I love the honesty because in that moment, she was saying, it's been tough this year. Lots of things have happened as a church. We've lost some loved ones. And Linda, we were, we, we're so glad you're still here. We're so glad. And we continue to pray for you. We really do. But actually, Rach, what you said was really good for me. Because it gave me some perspective. Because I could have said, actually, Rach, I agree with you. I'm going home, back to Liverpool, I'm done, like it's been tiring, I need a rest, and said all of that. Like, what am I doing? But actually it gave me some perspective. Because God spoke to me through that. And he says, actually Ben, 
this was exactly the right time for you to be here. This was exactly the right time for you to be here. And I don't be really honest and open and personal this morning. I hope that you're okay with that. But I don't feel like that word was just for me. I believe it was for each and every single one of us. That as we step into 2020, that God is saying to us, you are exactly here at the right time for this church, for the church. That I position you in the right place, no matter how you're feeling, no matter what your circumstances are, that you are in the exact space that I want you to be in right now. Isn't that incredible? That doesn't mean there's not still work to be done in us. But this is what I know to be true. This world would love us not to go after God together. The enemy would love us not to be going after God together. Not to be going after all God has for us as a church, as people, as individuals. You see, there is a natural law to settle for second best. There's a natural law just to settle for less than our best. But I believe as a church, God is calling us to something higher. I really do believe that, that God is calling us higher. How can we be a people who have the courage to settle for nothing less than all God has for us. Paul commands Timothy to continue even during difficult times to complete the calling God had given him. Maybe that's still our command. Continue even during difficult times to complete the calling God has given to each and every single one of us. Let me say that again. Continue even during difficult times to complete the calling God has given to each and every single one of us. I think that's what Paul was saying to Timothy here. Keep going, Timothy. Keep your eyes focused upon Jesus. You're going to endure some difficulties, but fulfill your ministry. You've got this. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Keep your eyes focused upon him. I wonder if that's what God is calling us to. To be a people that step into 2020. And maybe that small change, I don't know what the small change you need to make in your life is. I'll let the Holy Spirit reveal that to you. But actually, I know this, that we are called as a church to not look to the left or to the right, but to keep our eyes focused upon him. The author and perfecter of our faith. To be a people who have the courage to settle for nothing less than all God has for us. To be a people who have the courage to settle for nothing less than all God has for us. Let me pray.
Can I invite the worship team up as well as I pray? Father God, I just want to thank you for who you are. Father, that we are sons and daughters of you. The great I am, we sang before. The great I am. And Father God, as we step into 2020, into the next decade, Father, we want to keep our eyes focused upon you. Father, as we look to what Paul wrote in his letter to Timothy, Father, we want that to be what we follow. Father, that we would always be of clear mind. Father, that we would always know what we should do in you. That your Holy Spirit would reveal to us this year more and more the right decisions that we need to make. Father, that we know that we will endure suffering for your gospel. But God, we are called to endure. We're called to get through together as a family. Father, that we are called to reach our world. We're called to be evangelists, to Telford, to our nation, and to our world. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to do that, God. Father, we know the difficulties that we face. But, Father, we know you are the great overcomer. So, Father, give us courage. Help us be brave. Help us speak, Father, when often we maybe haven't spoken in the past. Help us have the right words to say. The Father, the arrows of all of us in this church would be like arrows into people's hearts that your gospel would reach many people this year through us, that we would see this church grow and the churches in Telford grow because your church is mobilized. Your church is sharing the gospel. Your church is sharing about you, the hope of the world. And Father, we look you in the eye. And we say we're going after all that you have for us. The Father, we pray for courage that we would not settle for less than what is best. But actually we would settle for nothing less than all you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to Telford Elim Sunday podcast. To keep up to date, go to telfordelim.com or find us on social media.